This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. We are finishing up. This is our last Sunday of the summer series of our elders and others preaching this summer. Um, you know, some, uh, some denominations actually call the person that, that preaches, they call them the teaching elder. And so uh, we have lots of those in our church. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, well, Adam is coming here. Uh, he'll be speaking, but uh, Christopher and Daniel and Ross and Eric and Austin, you have all done. And then, of course, we had... Um, Mary Gotro come via online, and then uh, Dr. Everett. Um, so we have just been really, really blessed. And so I'd like to give everybody, all those, a nice round of applause from our church. And Adam, Adam, come on up. He's our, um, our are you our youngest elder? You know, almost, almost our youngest elder. We like young, uh, young elders. And so um, Adam's going to be sharing. He shared last time. Every time he shares, it's really great. You're going to want to take your notes out and, uh, and really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as the Lord uses Adam. And love you, Adam. Here we go. Thank you, Mario. I, I wanted to thank Mario for giving us this opportunity to speak. It takes a lot of trust for a pastor to give his pulpit over uh, and Mario thinks that he's, we're doing him a favor. <laughs> so it really speaks to his character and how much he is willing to share that load. Um, he does an enormous amount for this church, and what little bit he asks us to do, we do gratefully. Um, and so we just want to thank Mario for that. Uh, this morning, that being said, this morning, my sermon might be a little bit more stream of conscious than you're used to. Um, what I'm basing it on is something I wrote a couple of years ago. Every now and then, when I'm sitting in those pews like you guys are, something will happen in my brain. Um, it feels like God downloads something in there. And I'll, you'll, you may see me furiously scratching notes into my uh, journal if I happen to have it, or typing something out on my phone if I didn't grab it as we were rushing out the door with our kids. Um, and so this is something... That happened in 2018. I was uh, sitting probably where Deanna is, and uh, something just clicked in my brain, and I had to write something out. And so it might come out in a stream, in a flow, in a fountain this morning, but I'll try to kind of rein in my thoughts. Um, I'm going to start out by reading to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 58. It should hopefully be up on the screen uh, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, um, and uh, I only tell you that because it, it may, some of the stuff I read this morning are going to be different in different versions, and that's kind of important to what I'm going to share. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 58 says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Uh, let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is not a dead thing that um, we only read to know about the past. I thank you that it is living, that it gives life, and that it reveals to uh, things to us, both in the past, in our present, and in our future. I thank you for that, and I pray that your word would be revealed to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read a few more verses to you, um, and there, there's something that all these verses have in common. Uh, first, it's, judge not, that you not be judged. That's in Matthew. Next is, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. That's in Philippians. For where two or three are gathered in my name, that's in Matthew. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's in uh, Ephesians. So there's something that all these verses have in common, and that's that these verses are often on lists that you will find of verses that are commonly taken out of context. What I read to you was just a small snippet, and people like to put a lot of weight on those small snippets without looking at the whole context of where those verses lie. Now that verse that I read to you at the beginning, I think also could be on this list, but it's a little bit different because there's a way at looking at what Paul writes in that letter to the Corinthians where you might think that Paul is taking something out of context. So that might make some of you feel a little bit uncomfortable, right? How can I say that Paul is taking something out of context? Isn't scripture God breathed? Don't worry, that's not what I'm trying to say this morning. But you may not know that Paul is quoting scripture in this letter to the Corinthians. When he says, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? That is a quote from the book of Hosea. That comes from Hosea chapter 13 in verse 14. And what Hosea says is, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, or death. I shall redeem them from death. O oh, death, where are your plagues? O oh, Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. So that verse sounds very different from what Paul wrote, right? In fact, if you were to go into the original Hebrew, again, I'm reading from the ESV, which is an English translation, right? Paul, when he is writing to the Corinthians, he is writing, he is quoting the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of a Hebrew text. So what's happening here, um, you may notice that the words that Paul writes are different from what probably your Bible says, what my Bible says, very slightly. What's happening here is a little bit of a game of telephone. It's kind of like if you were to take a sentence in English, put it into Google Translate in a different language, let's say Spanish, take that same sentence and put it into another language, let's say French, and then translate those two sentences back into English, they probably wouldn't look exactly alike. So Paul's writing in Greek, we're reading in English, and not only are we reading what Paul writes in English, we're reading what someone translated what Paul wrote into English. So tr Paul is reading a Hebrew text that was translated into Greek that has now been translated into English. So that's why some of the words sound different. That's a rabbit trail that I don't really wanna go on this morning, but I wanted to clear that up just so that you're not confused that I'm being pedantic and saying, oh, Paul wrote this and that. 
That's not what I'm trying to say. If we look at the text of Hosea, the passage that is in chapter 13 is God speaking through Hosea. It's an oracle that Hosea wrote to Israel who was living in sin. They had turned their backs on God. And that chapter is a condemnation of their evil actions. And at the end of it, um, if you, that verse that I read is at the end of it. That last line is very important. It says, compassion is hidden from my eyes. God is very, very angry with them. And the children of Israel are not repentant at all. So why, then, is Paul talking about this verse as though it is hopeful? Why is Paul using it as a hopefully defiant, almost slogan against the power of death in, a, in the New Testament context? And that's the question that I really want to tackle this morning. Another thing about the verse in Hosea is those first two lines that I read where it says, I shall ransom them, are really more like a question. If you go back to the original Hebrew text, it's really asking, shall I ransom them? Shall I redeem them? And that is an important uh, context to this verse that we need to know. God is saying, are these people worthy of redemption? It almost, and then when he says, oh, death, where is your sting? It's almost as if God is summoning that punishment upon them. So again, we're left with some questions. Why does Paul read it in a different context? What is this sting of death that he's talking about anyway? In Romans, Paul talks about the wages of sin being death. In Corinthians, He's talking about the sting of death being sin. What's happening here? Is this some sort of biblical transitive property where sin equals death, so death must equal sin? Let's see if we can try to answer some of these questions. If we dig a little deeper, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We know that God told Adam and Eve that were they to sin, were they to eat of the fruit that was forbidden, they would die. That was what God promised them. But we also know that that consequence didn't happen immediately. Though physical death did enter in to become a part of the human experience as a result of that sin, they didn't immediately die. So then there was confusion as to what that consequence was. So what was the immediate consequence? Because there was an immediate consequence to their sin. The immediate consequence to their sin was the separation between them that took place immediately, the veil that came down between man and God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast from the garden and they were separated from the presence of God. That is the sting of death. That is the consequence of sin. That is the death that they experienced immediately because man was created to be in community with God. We were not created to have that separation, that veil. God walked with them daily in the garden. He lived with them. There was no barrier. He saw them face to face. But when they sinned, that can no longer be. So we've answered what the sting of death is. And we experience that sting of death in a very tangible way in our lives. 
I'm sure all of you have felt it because we experience tangibly that sting of death whenever a loved one dies in our life and we are separated from them. And that pain and hurt and longing is the same tangible experience that God goes through when we sin, when we're living in sin. That is that sting of death. That is what we're talking about here when we talk about death. That's what that separation feels like. So why is Paul so cavalier about death? Because we all still feel this sting of death, right? Everyone here knows that hurt and pain, and Paul is talking about like it, that hurt and pain no longer exists. Well, the thing about the passage in Corinthians um, is that he's not just quoting one verse. He's quoting two verses. So he's quoting the passage in, in Hosea that I told you about. But he's also quoting a passage in Isaiah in chapter 25, verses 7 through 9. And that says, and he, and the he he's talking about here is God, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. And the Lord has spoken, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So if you remember back in Corinthians, the first part, Paul says, the saying is true, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's the part where he's quoting Isaiah. Death has been defeated. The separation is broken. That veil has been torn. So when Paul then quotes Hosea, he's reading it not out of context. He's reading it in a new context. He's reading it in the context that was only available to humans after Jesus. Nobody before Jesus could read it in that context. Nobody could understand it. Paul suddenly, by the grace of God and through his spirit, was given the full picture. He could see it all laid out. Not only were the, a lot of these uh, prophecies that are in Old Testament relate to Israel. And the people believed it was about their unique history and destiny. But Paul suddenly learned, he was, it was suddenly revealed to him that it's not just about one nation, it's about all nations. That all of history, all of mankind was being prophesied about in these chapters and it was, about, it was fulfilled in Jesus. The moment that Jesus came to earth and died on the cross, these prophecies were revealed to be true in him. They were revealed to be fulfilled by him. And nobody could know that until after Jesus. And Paul was given that revelation when he's talking to the Corinthians. And this is laid out more when Paul is talking to the Romans. If we were to look at Romans 8, uh, we can see Paul lay all this stuff out very clearly. That whole chapter, Paul is just laying out how much Jesus, Jesus' life and death changed on earth. And he starts it out by saying, there is therefore now, and that's important, that now, 
Not then, but now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I told you that the chapter in Hosea was a, a condemnation upon them, upon their sin. But now, because of Jesus, that condemnation is gone. We do not have to suffer that anymore because Jesus paid that price. So when Paul goes on to say, oh death, where is your sting? It's in that light, it's with that revelation that that condemnation and that separation between us and God is no more, it is gone because of Jesus. So that's how he can go on at the end of chapter eight in Romans in verses 38 and 39 to say, I am sure neither death nor life, nor angel, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. So this is why it's important to read verses in context, right? But we can't just read them in the context of their individual chapter. We have to read them in the context of the whole Bible, of the entire message. So when we say, oh, death, where is your sting? We're not talking about no longer having to be afraid of death. Lots of people live their lives without fear of death. But a lot of them believe that this is the only life they'll ever experience. Lots of people who believe in eternity still are afraid of dying. These verses that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he's not talking about their earthly lives. He's not saying live as if there's no tomorrow. He's not saying YOLO. He's saying live as though that separation between you and God is no longer there. Because it isn't. Because you can have life now. You can have that full life and in abundance because we were dead to sin, but now we are alive in Christ. So when we say, oh, death, where is your sting? It's not, I'm not afraid of you, death. It's, I'm, you're not even a thing to me anymore because I'm alive. I'm already made new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus now and forever. Let's pray. God, thank you for life. Thank you that you paid the price, that we are no longer dead, but we have been made whole again in you. Thank you, Lord, that you were not content with that separation, but you made a point to bring us back to you, to renew us, so that we could once again live in community with you. We could once again be united with you in spirit and one day in body. In your holy name I pray, amen. Amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.